Hey y'all, you're listening to episode 20 of the One Chit Wonder Board Gaming Podcast. And on today's episode, we are going to be recapping on HomeCon 2022. Johnny, why did we start doing HomeCon? We started doing it because we decided we're not getting our value from going to BGGCon anymore, right? Absolutely. You know, the last time that I went to BGGCon really cemented the idea that I don't really care enough about the new games there, you know, like especially having gone to Gen Con this year, comparing Gen Con to BGG Con, like there's just nothing new enough at BGG Con to justify going. And simultaneously, it kind of works out really nicely because I've been using our home con as a way to play a lot of games off my shelf of shame which continues to grow despite me actively trying to get games off that list. Yeah, we both each got a game off our shelf of shame during the this home con. Or at least you got a couple off your shelf, right? Two or three probably? Yeah, like I got three games off my shelf of shame. A lot of games that I honestly did not think they would ever get played, which is actually pretty cool because I know that going to BGG con, there's no way we're going to play these games. Oh yeah, you you're always gonna play whatever is in the hot games, and then you're just whatever, and then it's gonna be weird odd player counts, which you kind of run to a home con too. But I think you run to that problem even more in the the con setting. Yeah, definitely. Like I remember when we talked about BGG con last time with Kane, it really kind of was really evident on this year's home con because we had kind of like an itinerary on the games that we wanted to play. And it actually streamlined a lot of the rules overhead and also kind of like the scheduling of players and availability to make these games work. Don't get me wrong. Even with this schedule, we still had a lot of situations where, oh, I won't be there until three or, you know, I might have to leave early or we'll have to take a break to do this. There was still a lot of like fumbling around with trying to get everyone's schedule lined up. But all in all, I think it was a much better experience as far as pure gaming goes for me than BGG Con ever has been. Uh, not the same for me, I guess, because like there's a lot more lag time and inefficiencies with the schedule, like you said, with people coming in, coming and going with the um, with the home con. Because whenever I go to BGG Con, I get a hotel room or I'm on site, like you know, from morning until close or something like that. So it's like there's never really any downtime unless I tired and I need to take a break in the room or something like that. That's the difference with with, with BG Con is more similar to like a cabin con where there's like gaming on demand at all times. I can always get in a game. Might not be a game that I care too much about or anything like that, but I'm not having to schedule around other people or anything because that's where the randos come, in, come into play. No, thank you on the randos, <laughs> but I definitely agree with you. I think that when we do cabin con next year, mm-hmm. it's going to be more similar to that feeling that you're describing. Home con is maybe a nice substitute given that how busy it is this time of year for both of us yeah it was, it was a much needed kind of fuel up moment kind of before we hit the final push of the last quarter of the year yeah i got a ton of games played a ton of like favorites played and also a ton off my shelf of shame so i have zero complaints i'll do this every time anytime over bgg con no it was like i i agree like i would still pick it over bgg con it's cheaper um it's more comfortable um you know even with a little bit of efficiency but you're hanging out with your friends so that it's not like you're sitting there staring at a stranger for like 10 30 minutes if we're waiting for somebody we're still just talking eating and just joking around yeah and i'm already used to how bad my friends smell so i don't have to deal <laughs> with that con crud either that is true Except, let's see there was con crud because i got sick saturday night like right before like right when we were about to start our next game after that i was like dying like a stomach bug or something 
I just thought you didn't want to play anymore. You're like, oh no, my stomach. We had this exact excuse when we were talking about Gen Con trying to get out of demos. We're like, oh, my stomach, gotta go. Oh, the karma got me this time. But we're, you're <laughs> about to like, you you're about to fall up our what's it? What the game? Guards of Atlantis with a, a euro, and I was like, you can't do this. So then my body just started rejecting the euro. I guess it's just purging it out of my system i finally turned you on to the dark no, side you're actually me, the light side you gave me a virus like trash is better you gave me a disease incurable hey, you know what i played multiple euros during home con like you should be very proud of me i am that, that's it you turn a new leaf a little bit there i enjoyed it but you know what now's as good a time as any to get into it so let's start with friday first game we played on friday was guards of atlantis 2 False. Um, wait. Oh, you're right. You're How right. Dare you. There just, is one. I'll, one, let, I'll no, let you talk about this I mean, game. We played just uh, Richard the Lionheart. This was the first game that we played at five players. It was just a game that's been on my shelf of shame for maybe six months now. It's been on my radar since Bastion, and it's just a it's a Euro. Um, it's they say it's worker placement, or it's been described that same, but it felt like more like an action selection type of game. And it's a semi-cooperative with like a hidden objectives kind of a game by a uh, cool or not. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it, it definitely fits. It feels more like just like a, a party game to me. It was light. It was fast. It, it had some interesting elements to it. I'm not sure how I'm going to keep it long-term wise, but I, I probably want to try it one more time with um, more of my casual friends just to see how they, how they like it. Yeah, that game really surprised me because like... I won't lie to you, the only time I've ever heard of this game was when I was looking on for used games on Craigslist, and that game was always for sale. Like, there was a <laughs> posting for Richard the Lionheart for, like, years, and I was like, God, someone buy this game just so it can get off my feed. I didn't know it existed. The only reason it even got my radar is because I wanted to look for more semi-cooperative games after uh, Cabin Con, and then, um, what was it? Uh, it? And then it was done by Simon. so I was like, oh, okay, we'll get to my attention. Yeah, you know, I... I won't lie, that game actually surprised me quite a bit. It was a lot more fun than I was expecting, which I feel kind of bad because going into it, I literally was like, I'm going to hate this game. Hey. Like, the art looks bad, the colors look bad, the minis look bad. Like, everything was bad about this. But it actually was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good for its time. And I think it still holds up decently because it's more unique in the Euro space because it's not like, uh, it's you still score points to win, but it's not a point salad or anything like that. What originally, like, got you into trying to get a hold of this game like you had mentioned that you were interested in a semi-co-op but out of all the semi-co-op games available why richard the lionheart uh i don't know many euro semi-co-ops can you think of any really like i know studying emerald uh is the first one that you, you told me about recently it, you know talking about studying emerald i will say that this game really has kind of refreshed my interest in a study in emerald uh i actually owned it but i never could get it to the table because five players is just really hard to fill but having played richard the lionheart i was like okay let's get this game back and try to get it played our home con was all five players the whole time pretty much that was our sweet spot which was tricky because like you said we don't have that many games in that that's yeah special oh my area. god dude yeah like when we were trying to find like games for the rest of like the like the main course games, I was really struggling to try to find like good five player games. Like there's just, I have these five player games, but I just don't want to play them at five players. Yeah. Like Eclipse, I had just played two months ago. So I don't want to bust that out again. Like that's a, you know, there's like these main course games that you play and like you love it, but like, like you just play it once and you're like, woof, that's a beat. Like not a beanie, but it's like that's, that, you get your feel. It's like you, you can go to your favorite restaurant. Like I don't need to go to it every month. Like I can go to, twice a year and i'm like perfectly content exactly i learned a lot about 
like how I want to do these kind of cons, but let's save that for the end. Let's let's stay on topic with Richard the Lionheart for now. Yeah. Because like you made me really, really reinterested in a study in Emerald. But you know you're asking about semi co op um Euro games. I think the one that you're looking for should be Archipelago. I think that is the standard, I guess, as far as semi co op Euro games. It's kinda of like a I don't know if it's pickup and deliver or resource management. It has one of those things, but it has like everyone has like a hidden objective and you have to deal with a uprising from the indigenous tribe. The theming on it is obviously colonialism and is kind of frowned upon on, but you know, you got to work together to appease the uprising while simultaneously trying to push your own objectives. Mm -hmm. And that game is interesting because every player not only has their own objective, but that objective comes in the form of endgame scoring. So if you're over here collecting a ton of pineapples and I'm like, huh, is one of the endgame conditions here to score points per pineapple? Okay, better start collecting pineapples. And then there's a lot of fun mind games when the player count starts to increase and you're wondering like, why is Chris collecting all these pineapples? And it's like, he might just have no idea what he's doing, which is usually the case, but you never know. And that's what makes that game kind of interesting. I owned it for a hot minute, but just like every other Euro game, could never get it to the table. So Sina. I it. Yeah, I don't know if you're selling me too good on me collecting pineapples. I like pineapples as a fruit, but I'm not sure as a theme and mechanic, it's something that's very enticing or engaging for me. Yeah, I'm willing to try a study in Emerald first. I feel like that kind of will be more like my style. It's more Lovecraft. But... Is it Lovecraft a little bit there? A study? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a theme that I can get behind. That, like, Richard Lionheart's was uh, the Crusades, which I like that medieval time period. So that's uh, the theme works out in that because you're, you're battling or you're trying to work between the two factions uh, that are kind of vying for power during the Crusades a little bit there. Yeah, so all in all, uh, my play of Richard the Lionheart basically made me want to play another game, which was a study of in Emerald. But I, I will say, like, all jokes aside, I think it was pretty fun. I give it, like, maybe, like, a five or a six. Like, I'd play it again, but it wouldn't be something that I would come over and be like, all right, Johnny, bust it out, let's go. No, I agree. I have it right at a six, and that, but it's this nice little unique experience. It plays fast at high player counts, so it, it can have a place for now until I find something else that will fulfill that, that niche for me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, All right. All right, the now second the game. Second game that we played... Guards of Atlantis 2. First true three play or three v three game, which was nice for me because I don't have to play two handed like last time. But let's see, this this game was our fourth overall game. So since our our last review or our initial review on it and everything, this I think this this play solidified it for me as like the best kind of skirmish game at like three, at four players and at six players probably for for me at least. Yeah, I'm trying really hard not to rave too hard about Guards of Atlantis, mostly because, like, over the, basically every episode since we reviewed Guards of Atlantis, like, I could not stop talking about it. It was hype. This game's a 10, yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Like, there's no other skirmish game, and honestly, no other six-player game that plays as well and is as fun and also as easy to teach and digest as Guards of Atlantis. Like, hands down. This singular singular play was just exactly what I expected this game to be. Um, we still have the same issues of bringing in new people that are a little bit like clueless as to how their champion works or 
understand like the metagame of the situation where especially since the game promotes killing other heroes to win but you also have to balance that out with controlling the minions pushing the waves and even if you're not doing either of those things just being a threat and that unknown uncertainty of what you could or can't do to other players is huge and that's something that just new players will never grasp like it's just you just don't know until you've played i would say at least three games i agree it's like the nuance is really shown for for me and probably for you too during our dark plays over home con like the things that I, the, the complaints i had about um communication and i can't remember our open information stuff those those kind of really weren't a problem at all for me with the with our uh our home con plays i guess we're gonna fast forward a little bit to saturday when we played our second game of guards of atlantis 2 over the weekend where we actually played 2v2 that game really answered a lot of those questions that you had you know you were talking about how i don't know how to communicate i wish there was more information to communicate and I am starting to see where the more understanding you have of the other champions, the more information that you can communicate. Because when we first played, we were just like, um, do we try to kill him? I don't know. Can you? Yes. No. Like, you're kind of fumbling around. But now it was like, I remember on our um, the play on Friday, you told Tyler to lock me down. Locked me down. I had no choice but to run away. And that just change the whole dynamic of that <laughs> game state and then on saturday we had conversations where chan was playing uh yusufar and i'm like hey don't worry about him he can't catch you guarantee you he can't reach you don't even worry about him and that's the kind of information that we're now communicating to each other as we have a better understanding of what every hero does and i think that is great because my biggest issue was I was worried that memorization was going to be a huge factor on how well you can play. And our play on Saturday really cemented that it does help you, obviously. Any game where you can memorize stuff, you, you're going to have an advantage. But it's still very doable. You just kind of have like a general idea of what everyone can do versus knowing exact numbers. And as you play, you start remembering things like you had a defense card of six. So we know that we had to break that value. We see the items you're building up and we have to calculate that too. We came within one attack power of winning the game. And just because you had one minion like defense advantage, you survived and you ended up winning. And well, that was like the most tense epic well, moment of that game. Well, it was great for me. That was a great feeling for me during that because I set it up knowing that I was the target with, with the board positioning and uh, you guys are going to 2v1 me. And uh, I had upgraded on previous or during the previous upgrade phase into a seven defense. So like you guys had me up by you had enough damage, you know, based on my previous card. But that little bit of hidden unknown upgrade gave me that extra defensive stat to just make sure that I really survived that encounter. Was and then the minion was just like extra insurance basically for me. So when you guys like uh, went for the attack and it, and it missed, like that, like that felt really really good because like I upgraded a position smartly. And it was able to like keep my team alive because obviously if I if I took the hit I would have lo- we would have lost the game. Yeah, like it it was cool, and you know it sounds so stupid because like the reason we put ourselves we were doing like uh, who was my team? I already forgot. Oh, Kyle. Kyle and I we were doing great. We pushed the wave. We had a good advantage. We had good positioning, but we both stupidly attacked our own minions, which like completely took all the momentum out of us. We were out of position, and we basically wasted an entire round 
I want to make a note about that. Like uh, this game, like you said, the designer, like they want to play into the tendencies of like human error. And our plays with, let's see, we played with, let's see, Tyler, Chan, Ryan, uh, Kyle. Kyle. So I think four new players over the weekend. Or am I missing anybody mm-hmm. else? Yeah. So, and then Kane hadn't played since our initial play too. So, but he's still, I consider him, he's an experienced player. So he still did really well and everything. But, you know, five relative or four new players and one kind of rusty player that hadn't played in a while. And like, they all picked it up just fine, but like not knowing stuff and then just trying to make the perfect play. Like that's a tendency for board gamers. So we try to find the best possible play. And I think this game, it gives you options to make a good play, but you're, it's just so unpredictable and tactical because you're, if you're playing with six players, there's five other initiatives, like whatever you're planning might not even work. And so like that human error element, like really shown and made like it made it made really interesting situations for both teams to work themselves out of. Like I had that cool card that lets me uh, make Kyle discard a card, but it allows him to move. So he moved, then he just uh, then he, he they just uh, hero killed me. So like it's like those things I didn't I didn't factor for. There's like var- too many variables for for someone to quarterback. Plus that human error must just creates very like a dynamic game. Yeah, no, totally. Like. I mean, as of right now, I think I have a total of, like, six plays of Cards of Atlantis. Yeah, we have the same amount of plays. Yeah, and obviously, we haven't even hardly dipped into the true depth of this game. But it's still really cool to see that you can make mistakes and still be in a position to win. Like, they are punishing, don't get me wrong, but it's still possible because of the multiple win cons. Like, when in that 2v2 game we played... Me and Kyle wasted an entire turn trying to kill our own minions. That was stupid. Like any other game, you would just be SOL. But towards the late game, we pivoted and tried to all in and kill you to win the uh, life counter battle and subsequently win the game while you guys are trying to push the minion wave to win the game. Yeah. I love this diversity of like game objectives because we legitimately had a chance of killing you. If it wasn't for that one minion... We could have won it. And it's just like that kind of options and like agency that you have on dictating the flow of your strategy and the game. Like we pivoted from a minion pushing strategy to trying to all in and kill you. It didn't pay off, but it was still just really fun and really tense to like be in this final moment to see like both Kyle and I's like hero closing in on you while Chan's farming minions just being like, ah, Johnny's got this. I- I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to keep killing these minions. And if you, like, it's just so cool. Like, it's just, I cannot wrap my brain around how this game just organically lets players do this. And it doesn't completely imbalance or turn the game, like, break the game. That's the best word for it. It doesn't break the game for us to do these things. Yeah, we never ran into, like, a hero feeling super overpowered or anything like that. Some... Like, some of the characters are more easy to grasp. Like, you and Chan played the same character, and, like, it was rated high complexity, rightfully so. Uh, so that definitely kind of was a handicap a little bit for both of you guys at some points. But, like, the team still picks up the slack, and, like, all the games are still, you know, close. It wasn't, like, a lot, there wasn't any really big lopsided victories or anything like that. Yeah, and honestly, even for a game that killing other heroes is relatively minimal, you know? Like, I think total we got maybe two or three hero kills max on each team it still felt so incredibly violent like we're just constantly trying to fight and it just feels great even when all you're doing is just moving around a position 
I really like that. I, I love this game, man. It's still straight 10 out of 10. Like, I I hope it gets into the top three. I don't... Like, it's going to have to uh, surpass like it be, Root. It might, it might become your number one game if we, if we keep playing and getting enough plays out of it with, like, a regular group, I would say. Yeah. You know, just like we talked about in the review, it's going to come down to having a regular group that is equally invested in this game as I am and to create a meta where our understanding of the heroes are pretty similar i think that's the ultimate way to make sure that this game continues to have a positive experience because if i started playing with like a bunch of other people my experience and hopefully my skill level will increase appropriately while everyone else is still like you know the knowledge of other heroes is going to be less just because they've played less you know that's a huge advantage yeah definitely um, yeah, but I after our weekend play, I definitely bumped my score from a, a nine out of ten to a ten, ten out of ten for this one. One of my, I think this my is, man. This is like oh, a, my, <laughs> this is like a, maybe my fourth game that I've given a ten out of ten, probably. I think so. It's it's a exclusive company for sure. Wow. So wait, is your tens Marvel Champions, Arkham Horror, Guards of Atlantis, and Root? Root. Yeah. Wow, Great Western Trails not even. Oh no, Great Western no, no, Great Western Trails is, is ten as well. So that, that's five. Okay, yeah. all right. But not very I was many. Say, my curve is uh, it's it's a lot of sevens and, and six probably. Yeah, that that sounds about right. I was gonna be shocked if Gar- uh, Great Western See, Trail wasn't a ten just, out of ten for it's you. This, this disease that you've given me, just forget all hey, the heroes. Four out of five of your top, like four out of five of your ten rated games are all trashy games. They're not LCGs are not trashy. They're classy, bro. They're classy. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, Last game of Friday, Nemesis Lockdown. So I know that your experience with the original Nemesis is less than mine. Like, I think I've got like five or six plays of the original Nemesis. And obviously, we only had that one play of Nemesis Lockdown. But I think Nemesis Lockdown is a lot better. I can't give like an expert opinion on it, so you'll probably have to take the lead on this one. But I can say that I like Lockdown for sure better than original Nemesis. But my approach to Lockdown was completely different than how when I got introduced to to the original Nemesis and everything, though. So for me, I like the theme of the original Nemesis better, like being on the ship and kind of reenacting like the movie Aliens, or I guess Alien is the right title. It's really cool. The theme is just better that you're on the ship. But I thought that the mechanics of Lockdown made for a better game flow state. The biggest thing that I realized was when I play Nemesis, most of the time, every player just spreads out. And because of the way that noise populates on the map as you go from room to room, you end up just building outwards and the noise just kind of like creates this like cloud around the center um, space, the hibernatorium and ends up just being like a cluster. And the problem with that is because everyone's kind of moving around on their own, there's really no immediate incentive to work as a team until you get your objective. When you get your objective, when the, which is after the first intruder spawns, You can start saying like, okay, guys, I need this ship to go to Earth. Who will help me check the engines to make this happen? And you got to hope that another player has a similar mission or chose a similar mission. 
And obviously there's always that possibility of betrayal, but that's what makes the game great. That's not something that I'm worried about for this exact point. Do you want to give listeners like a just kind of quick, quick, quick overview on like what kind of game Nemesis is? Because like some people that never played it um, or have not heard about it, and I be sure exactly not 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 be aware of what we're exactly referring to, like the semi cooperative game and about aliens. That's that way they kind of get an idea of like the the dynamics of it. Oh man, that's gonna be tough to do in like a uh, episode like, like this. But I'll do you don't my have to best. get mechanics or anything because there's not really, it's not well. It's a complex game, but distilled down, it's like uh, it's still pretty simple. I'd say once you get through it, all the fluff. So Nemesis is a cooperative game where every player controls a character that has a hidden objective some of those objectives are altruistic and just generally like oh get the ship to this location or make sure you know send a flare destroy the queen's nest etc etc but there's also a mix of objectives that include killing other players the fact that those objectives exist in the game changes how you approach everything because someone who's helping you quote-unquote get your ship to earth might actually be trying to set up to kill you and those are the moments that make this game great Um, there's a lot of mechanics involving moving around the ship exploring rooms finding items and honestly finding the rooms is really just a way to complete your objectives almost all the objectives other than killing the other player will require you to find a room to do something in that room the game forces you to explore the ship as a way to fulfill your objective. So having known that, the problem with the original Nemesis is that you don't know who you can trust ever, but at the same time, you're not incentivized to work as a team because you're still just going around finding the rooms and hoping that you find the room that you need for one of your objectives early. Because when the first intruder spawns, you have to commit to one of your two objectives. So usually, you don't really know what you're even trying to do, which makes it so that you don't want to know who you want to help and who you want to accept help from. The way that Lockdown fixes this is that, one, the starting heroes or uh, survivors that you play start on different parts of the base. You automatically are exploring more of the base than you would if you were on the Nemesis because in the original Nemesis, you have to explore outwards. In Nemesis Lockdown, there's three floors and you start on the top and the bottom of this space. The other factor is controlling the power to the different sectors. Because the thing that Nemesis Lockdown does that I think is genius and that I wish that we had more of an opportunity to explore was that now at the end of every round, if your sector has power, it will wipe all the noise tokens off every corridor that is not connected to a survivor which is huge because it takes a ton of pressure off your like restrictions on moving around the map. And it finally incentivizes players to work together from round one. Because even though you don't know what your objective is, someone has to run the generator and as well as someone has to explore the map. And you can start kind of, I don't know if negotiating is the right word, but you can start trying to figure out how people will do what from the beginning. And I think it, that initial encouragement of cooperative play really sets the tone for how the rest of the game plays out i don't know did you get that did you feel uh, yeah, that at all i, I would say so like uh, the cooperative elements for sure were more evident in this game 
Um, but I know, you know, the original one, I never felt that cooperative moment at all. Because like you said, as soon as we start, everyone just fans out because we have to find the room to complete something. And then, you know, then an intruder spawns and everyone's just running around like chickens with their head cut off kind of deal and just trying to panic and try to get this to the escape pod. But this game, I, when I drew my objective, I had to kill a certain person, um, but they were too far away. So I was like, okay, if that's it's not doable right now. I just need to survive to maybe get into that, that chance. So I played it cooperatively. And I was like trying to get down to you to, to help you guys put out the, uh, get the generator started up. But then, you know, the queen spawns like turn one, turn two or whatever. And I'm just climbing the stairs down while all these aliens are chasing me. And it's just like, kind of just like catastrophe, just snowballing from there. Um, but like I, the whole time <laughs> I was working cooperatively because my survival depends on you guys getting the power back on. And there's like, I'm going to die. Otherwise there's like, I'm going to get killed and there's, then my game's over. So it definitely pushes you, or at least from my first play impression, it pushes that cooperative element, which is more going to be appealed to me as a cooperative gamer. Yeah, I will say that that particular play was kind of tainted by a very unfortunate and very early queen spawn that really messed everything up. I think that if that queen didn't spawn, the game would have went on at least a couple more rounds and we would have gotten a better feel for it. But... I think you're absolutely right about just that needing that power to come on and someone to run the generator really gives that person a lot of bargaining power to say like, hey, I will make this generator work, but you need to find this room for me. And one of the things that this game introduces that I thought was really cool, the elevator letting you go to each of the three different like sections, like the different floors of the research facility makes moving around so much faster than the original nemesis like if you were if your mission in the original nemesis was to send the ship to earth and you needed to go from the back of the ship to check three engines to make sure that they were working and then go to the front of the ship to try to set the coordinates it's impossible to do by yourself you have to have someone help you those are the objectives that no one ever takes because they're so hard to fulfill and you really have to get lucky and have someone have a similar objective that would help you or someone whose objective might be to escape with a buddy and if no one in that game has those objectives it is unwinnable for you and nemesis lockdown does a really great job of fixing this because now rather than having to deal with trying to figure out the coordinates you have the ability on your own to search or not to search but to peek at where the launch uh the cargo ship launch pods are going and you can have a chance to escape all by yourself you don't need people to help you anymore and that game like that mechanic alone simultaneously increases the co-op as well as your ability to play and go rogue like i love that i wish we could have explored that and i think that if we run that game back and now we that we understand the importance of power and controlling noise I think it'd be it would surpass Nemesis for everyone. Like I, we didn't even get a full play, and like we died so early. And I'm already considering selling the original Nemesis. And Nemesis is a ten out of ten for me, which is kind of crazy to think about. I, I don't even know what to rate Lockdown because Nemesis is a ten. I like Lockdown better. What do I do? I can't de- I can't demote Nemesis down to a nine. I like how you're it's raving the about like, the elevator and the quick movement, but like I got to the elevator and then then uh, the queen spawns and then I'm climbing the stairs down. It took me like 
a bajillion actions just to get down there. And then what happens? You threw a grenade into the power generator room. So I couldn't even turn the power back on. <laughs> that, in hindsight, that was a terrible like, play from me. Picking I'm plays, sorry. Even if you're not the traitor or like, I was like, okay, this guy cannot be trusted. Like, But it's just you being a clown as usual. <laughs> I seriously thought the fire was going to kill the alien, and, and then he just like, left the, the room. And then the generator room's on fire, and you're like, does anyone have a fire system? Why would you throw a grenade and cause a fire in the generator room if you don't have a way to put it out? Come on, man. But yeah, like um, the, that, that those story elements is what I think um, that was missing from my previous plays of Nemesis Lockdown. And then just thinking about it, too, with um, the original, or the original Nemesis versus Lockdown, is the original one, I think, might appeal more to people that don't care for cooperative play because i know chan was saying like he would pick the original over lockdown because he doesn't want to be forced into doing cooperative things and i can see gamers that really you know that aren't a fan of co-ops will kind of maybe not be as fan of of lockdown compared to us at least because this game gives you that nemesis experience plus it's not a true co-op because you're still got your hidden objectives and everything but just that little bit of extra cooperative uh, mechanics or encouragement i think is what sets this one apart for me like if you i would still play either one right now just because i need to try the original again to compare but lockdown is, was a much better experience for me yeah me too i'm really hopeful that we can actually get a full play in and do a legitimate review because i could go so in depth about it what's the best player but count for this four or five? five five okay well you know what for original nemesis it was five but for lockdown bgg says four so okay. might be easier to table at four that's makes it even better game to have in the collection yeah you know the best part about playing nemesis this weekend was like on saturday you're like man, I'm really thinking about playing, I want to play Nemesis again. Let's run it back. And I was like, who is this? Like you, like the first time we played Nemesis, we both were high AF trying to play on Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> and it was like, what is happening? Yeah. I don't even know. The Alien soundtrack comes on and then I'm just freaking out. I was freaking out. I remember you were playing that over like Discord or something. It was totes freaking me out. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know the RNG in it doesn't bother me because, you know, I'm like we talked about too, is uh, I'm more seasoned with, Arkham and the bag and everything that we won't talk about, but uh, just like the there's there's a thematic place for different like RNG has its place and Nemesis I think does it just fine. Yeah, I have no problem with the RNG and Nemesis. I think it's probably like a mindset that you have to have going into the game because if you're going into this expecting like a true competitive cooperative like strategic experience no don't play nemesis that's not the game for you yeah that was my impression the first couple of times or at least the first time that was my impression at least yeah nemesis is like a rp party game like i love it because it's just chaos and it's just creates moments that are so funny like even just now you calling me out about throwing that fire grenade into the room with the generator i was like what, what was oh, i thinking oh, that's like one of the highlight moments of uh, home con just thinking about like how like you just effed us it was like the, the one thing that could possibly turn this game around you're like nah, let's throw a grenade in there <laughs> my mission wasn't even to like sabotage anyone all i needed to do was just send a signal i was almost positive you were luring me to your trap and you said that you had the card that that needed to kill me but you discarded it to do something else but like your actions spoke otherwise <laughs> god i love nemesis like it's it's these stories like that always like makes this game like a have a special place in my heart because every time i play like i can think of one like huge event that always makes me laugh like from enrique shooting me out of the airlock to 
Charles breaking both of his arms and not being able to, and wanting to drop his gun. It's always just hilarious, like what happens in this game. Yeah, I think you prepping me like uh, from BachelorCon, like this, like you know, approach it like a party game. Um, that was what changed the mindset because you know when we had met and we had started gaming together, my I was like always playing heavy strategic games, so I had to go in like mentally ready, like I need to figure out how to win, figure out how to do this, and just trying to figure out how to win. Nemesis was a frustrating experience that uh, if you're not prepped on it or like hey like you're not gonna win like you have like a two percent chance of winning like don't worry about winning worry about just exploring the game and seeing how the story unfolds like you're probably gonna die like that thing like the the rp and then the the narrative part is what you have to lean into and that made it more enjoyable for me when i came in with that mindset for nemesis lockdown you know someday i would really like to try the full co-op mode and really see if there is like a strategic game under there because i do believe that you can work together to win this game like in a very like coordinated strategic way but the fact that there's like that hidden traitor possible like deception like betrayal mechanic just throws that out the window you can never truly trust anyone i honestly think the only way to win the game is to embrace the cooperative aspect you'd have to like really save your betrayal moment for the tight to the vest kind of like at the end of the like you have to play to win like and you have to get all your teammates to agree to play to win but that's kind of like the, the the design of the game it's like that's what needs to happen but we're all humans and we we're all selfish and greedy we want to complete our own objective and then and that complicates the situation so it basically sets us up for failure that's honestly one of the beauties of nemesis that you know hopefully we'll be able to go more in depth someday but a lot of these like hidden trader games a lot of the times you can win just by playing straight you know mm-hmm do whatever you can and you pick a pivotal moment to just say like nope i'm gonna fail this mission all right i win like you know games like dead of winter um unfathomable like those kind of games always have like it's hard to suss out who the bad guy is because they don't really have to do anything versus nemesis it's like you can play it straight but just the mechanics of the game and your objective you can't just like it won't automatically set up a win con for you. You have to set it up as you're trying to play it straight. And those are the moments that makes like the game really sing for me because quite honestly, impossible. Like I have yet to find a way to fulfill any kind of betrayal type objective while winning the game. Most of my, well, most of my, my one win came from leaving the ship with a buddy. That was it. Like, those missions are easy to fulfill, but the betrayal missions, so difficult. Like, you can't just pretend you're a good guy and just win the game, which is a huge flaw of a lot of hidden trader games. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, that's a one down. Like, that's why I never like, or not didn't like, but like, I always get tired of hidden trader games because the trader always has that inherent advantage built into the, to those kind of games. Yep. All right, let's move on because we talked about Nemesis a ton, and I do want to do a full review. Yeah, no scores yet for me, at least. It's a 10 for I me. I can tell you what my original score for Nemesis was. I think it's like a 3 or 4. Don't you dare. What? I think so. I have to look at it, but I'm not allowed to click, touch my mouse or, or keyboard four? right now. So 3 or 4. Are you kidding me? Did you not see the minis? I mean, That alone is worth like 4 points. I've seen better. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, let's just move on to a mini list game that we both love. Okay. Our first game of Saturday's HomeCon was Uprising, Curse of the Last Emperor, which we both have done a full review on and we both really, really love. 
Tell me, Johnny, has anything changed for you about that game? Still love it. Um, I think from this time's play around, this, this is our third play, fourth play, whatever it is. It's at three players. It's that was like uh, this, that's the best player count. Two players, it's the sweet spot. Two players, great. But three players just opened the game up even more and threat management and co-op. Like when we talked about the tabletop or the table talk and the original review and just having a not really min-max, but like really the tight gameplay where like you can't make too many mistakes and get away with it. Like that's even more highlighted in that three-player game. So that tension is like constantly building every game. Like we had the false messiah spawn, what turn like first round or turn one. Yeah, and like you know, we're more prepared this time, but like it still worked. We had to work as a group to manage him and we got some really really lucky dice rolls from our, our master quester chan over there um but it's just created those really cool moments where we're rolling and then i would roll hot for the enemies and you guys would yell at me and then so like having an extra player and just the, the tabletop was like it was a really good experience for me yeah like the game originally was an eight for me and i was complaining about it because the playtime at two people was like still three to four hours but when we played with three people the playtime did not change much. Maybe part of that is just we're more familiar with it, but like we kind of just hop straight into it and started playing. But with knowing that a three-player game is still around the same time, I actually bumped my score up to a nine. I saw that it was an eight, and I was like, there's no way. This game was way too much fun. Like It was just so smooth and so easy to play, yet I felt like we were just living on a razor's edge that the game could just tank at any second because i remember in chapter two so many bad guys spawned and i think we all looked at each other like, well we're just gonna lose it's fine we'll just move on and play something else once kyle gets here but we pulled through and it was just like epic fighting uphill because whatever happened in that chapter i did not think there was any way we were going to come out of that alive and it it worked out it was just really great like we worked together really well we helped each other expand we gave each other opportunities to score points and just like you said came down to the last chapter and we're kind of doing a little bit of math to make sure that every player is going to be able to outpace the ai and we did it we pulled it off and my favorite part about this game is that i now feel comfortable enough with the game mechanics that i can shuffle in all the advanced cards and i don't have to like resort them every single time i can just keep them together and it feels so good now leveled up all those games that we got to the table this that past weekend i i honestly don't know how this game does not have more hype behind it like there's a second kickstarter that's i guess probably in production right now with like more factions to play more modules like they're introducing more mechanics to mitigate bad dice rolls to kind of even out the spikiness and i just see all these things being able to shape the game into the exact difficulty that you want you know two players might be really hard to play but add in this additional dice mitigation and some of the blessings and it could be that sweet spot for any group of players yeah i'm excited to try like we me and you both played with the advanced factions or the expansion factions i think this time around and it didn't add too much complexity, but it was nice to see. Like it was, I felt like the expansion ones were even more asymmetrical. Did you get yeah. that feeling too? Like it wasn't like other ones. Like you know, you had units for the main asymmetrical, but like my faction could only put out like three havens versus your. You guys could do like five, and I can like space them out. I couldn't have them build adjacent, so it changes completely how I played the game, which I thought was really cool. 
Yeah, my faction had one unit, literally one out of the 12 or 13 units available that had an archery phase. Like, yeah, I the... played the whole game with no archers, just getting like beat down from the archery phase going into any battle. Yeah, that was the that was the definitely interesting. Like, and then the game with all those wrinkles at you, where like it takes away uh, all your archers, or like if the terrain effects kick in too. And if you have no archers, or like me, where I couldn't, uh, I only had very limited units. They're very strong and expensive units, but I couldn't like get them out fast enough. And then chapter two, when we we're like thought we we're gonna die, is was when I lost like seventy five percent of my forces. Like, but you know, we all worked together to help like shore up like you guys give me a chance to haven get some resources and i could pump out units and things like that so it was yeah a couple things that i noticed about this play uh one the information became increasingly easy to process because i remember our first couple plays we were always like oh crap i forgot that we're on this terrain we can't roll this dice like you're constantly checking stuff and now it just seems so like intuitive like i think just having an extra person where like you know Chan's rolling for his units, you're rolling for the AI, and I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, guys, you're on a you're on a badlands space. You can't roll white you can't roll red dice for this one, you know? Mm-hmm. And that just I think three players is by far like the best player count. But maybe just having that extra person to offload some of the like mental tax of like maintaining the game state while everyone's like filling filling in their roles, like helped a ton. And then also this particular game, I don't know if it was just because, like, the way Chan built his guy to be, like, questing, but this game felt more roguelike than the previous games. Like, the item market maybe rotated faster because we had an extra player buying cards, but I felt like, I actually felt like we were building really cool engines with our factions because I remember that my faction had like an emphasis on rolling the, um, I forgot what they're called, like the lightning Yeah, the surge symbols. symbol. Yeah, the, surge. the surge symbols, yeah. And I kept seeing these cards that built on that. And it was like, oh, if you roll a surge here, gain a food resource. If you roll a surge here, use one of the druid abilities and you can also use this. And I, I built around that. And as the cards came up, it shaped the way that my faction played that I didn't really see that being an option, you know? I thought that was really cool. I, I had never felt that much of the customizable like play style from your like your feet cards and your item cards. Like I I love that part. That's actually one of the things that really made me want to bump the score up. It felt more roguelike than all the other plays. Yeah, the items was uh, definitely very pivotal to our our strategy in winning the game because like the different things that came out. Were there expansion items in this set too, or like, are those like promos in there? Is that still just there's like a stock item deck? No, that's just the base item deck. The only thing the expansion really added was just more factions and then like the raid boss module, which we didn't use. Okay, so yeah, so that like just seeing more of the item deck and uh, having time to buy like I I with three players, the one thing that I ran into in my faction is that I would have nothing to do and I would just burn my actions to buy items, and which was beneficial to us because it. Because like when we play at two players, you have to offload some of the responsibility where I had to quest and then still fight. Um, you had to get a little questing and fighting, but with three players, like Chan just quest. He got some fights in for sure. Um, I think what well, you called him a selfish player in, in the game, perhaps <laughs> I believe. And then he was like, he oh, said man. he hard. He said he hard carried me. Like <laughs> I like to dispute that for the record once and for all. 
he stood there just doing his little questing while we're all like controlling the board for him. I think we all pitched in a good amount. Yeah, we're, we're That's what I would slide. like to say. He's the one shooting these shots, bro. Like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I mean, I just stepped away for one second. I came back and I'll sit yeah. in the cleanup. Th- and it... Thanks for nothing. You could have <laughs> taken my side on this podcast partner. I mean, what did you do during that game, though? Oh, my God. I saved <laughs> your ass and I gave you multiple havens. <laughs> yes, that, that's true. <sighs> I, I need to find some new friends. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's it's a great game, and I really hope that this second Kickstarter will generate some more buzz for it because like we love co-ops, and this is quickly rising to be maybe my favorite co-op to play with you. Like, I wish that you liked Too Many Bones more so we could play that because I do love Too Many Bones, but this something about this game just feels really good when we're playing. Like the the way we're interacting with each other while playing, like. I don't get that feeling from any other co-op, like even Descent. Like we don't have this level of interaction, and yeah. I loved playing Descent. It doesn't feel like s- solitary play, like you know, when you, even like in Descent or a lot of self, like uh, even the LCGs, like you you still co-op, you're talking and everything, but once you have to take the brunt of the actions and do stuff, you're just sitting there, kind of, because you know you don't you don't as uh, your teammates, you don't want to quarterback. I can't quarterback in Uprising, nor can I co-op or quarterback you in a. Uh, like an LCG or anything, but when you're trying to figure out the, how to solve the problem in front of you and th- those other games, like you just kind of doing your own thing. But this game, I just felt like it was like, I'm going to do this. And then you're like, okay, I'll chain into this. And it just felt like it's, we just like bounced off each other, flowed off each other really well. Like it was very intuitive. Like if you fight this, I'll do this. Like it's just, it just didn't feel like I was just sitting there doing my thing while you do your thing. Yeah, totally agree. I, I, I can't stress this enough for anyone who's listening. If you like, meaty co-ops that you can't quarterback like if you like spirit island you would love this like this is a like a trashy version of spirit (laughs) island i guess i would definitely agree with that assessment definitely much trashier than spirit island oh for sure a lot more exciting than spirit island for me at least yeah because it doesn't doesn't have like this crazy npc two npcs fighting each other and you having to manage them while they try to kill you at the same time yeah, and the win con for Uprising, I just cannot stress how fun it is to try to make sure that both of your, like, all your allies are outscoring both of the AI factions. Because if anyone falls behind because one player decides to be too greedy, everyone loses. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that they did it like that. Yeah, I think with a co-op like this, like, you can't carry carry like in other co-ops. Like, you know, whenever I play some other co-ops and I don't know it well and I'm playing with experienced players, they definitely, you definitely feel yourself getting carried. Um, nah, man. And- Chance said he carried out everyone, <laughs> so don't even worry about it. Uh, well, maybe sometimes. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to. We'll have to to ask him what his what his reasoning behind that was. But like with this, uh, like you can't. Like you're only as strong as your weakest link, so it all enhances that co op feel for me, at least. Because like, if I feel like I'm lagging behind, like I have to ask you guys for help, and then then you guys will build me up. But then that's at the you'll have to. Then you guys might get weaker. You have bad rolls, so because the game has a lot of RNG, but it just feels manageable because like if I mess up, my teammates will still come in to at least help me or, or mitigate it, hopefully. You know what? That actually is a really interesting point because you're right. In a lot of co-ops, when people aren't pulling their weight, you're like, oh man, you're the reason we're going to lose this because there's really nothing you can do for them sometimes. Exactly. But in Uprising, there's always opportunities to help your teammates, especially if they like 
lose a battle really bad like Chan did when he lost his entire army and we came in to save him but he doesn't really acknowledge that because he <laughs> carried us by just doing his quest yeah, but you know what no big deal I'm not gonna dwell on it too much yeah we did build a wall of uh, soldiers around him you know I had Haven next to his his base which helps shield him off of some attacks I guess yeah it's just it's a beautiful game and it's just the way it plays is just perfect for what I want in a co-op game, especially because it's kind of like 4X too, which is like my other passion of like, like my favorite style of game. Yeah. In our original review, like this, like I still don't have a game that this game is completely unique to the co-op space and any kind of game in general for me. I, I like the, all the times, every time we played it, it's felt fresh. It's never, it doesn't, I have nothing to compare it to for the most part. Cause when we talk about games, we like to compare it to like Nemesis versus Nemesis Lockdown or, you know, Marvel LCG versus Arkham LCG. There's always like a basis point, like a reference point. Like this game, it feels like it's, it's, it's in its own little spot for me. Voidfall. That's the only one I can think of. Never played it. Haven't looked into I it. Know, so no, but it's no frame for reference. For its co-op. Well, that's the only one. We'll see. Yeah. Would be great if someone got it though, but I don't know anyone that has it. Bro, you're the Euro Mind Clash guy. I've never Mind Clash guy. I don't have an acronym. Uh, you it. have an acronym. You're the one That's that more than I have. You own the most recent uh, Mind Clash game. Thank you very much. I never you, even, I never even took the shrink off. But you, it doesn't count. You're still it doesn't Mind count Clash if you punched it. It doesn't find, count if don't, you don't punch it. Don't make me find the receipts. There's there's literally messages that I can screenshot that says that you declare that yourself as Mind Clash guy. How dare you? You better, go, better go start deleting those. Don't. <laughs> Damn it. Anyways, let's move on to the next game. All right. Uh, the last game you played with us was the ever-elusive out-of-print Dogs of War, which is also like the second Simon game, like old Simon game that we played this weekend or that weekend. Yeah, we had a, a nice little theme going on. I know. I was very surprised by Dogs of War because I've owned it for a really long time, but I never thought that I would ever get to play it. I kind of owned it just because it's out-of-print and it's also Simon, so I was like, well, might as well. But it was a lot of fun for me. And I liked that the mechanics are relatively simple, yet there was just constant like interaction between players and seeing where people were going and what they were going to do and kind of building some very like shaky alliances and deals that are like, well, don't screw me here. And I promise I'll go help you here. And then another player forces your hand and you have to go screw your friends that you previously were like, Hey, I have uh -huh. no choice. Like, are you referring to when you screwed both me and Chan out of a, I had no choice. House? Oh, okay. You could have, I gone, begged, you I begged Ryan not to, I was like, don't do this. You dude. This, you're going to make me, me do this. You cost us the game is your fault. I still lost. Now, now Chan hates it. He'll never play it now. And uh, he does hate. I that played game. the Euro once, so I don't play Euros more than once now. Apparently. Wow, we really have been spending too much time together because you sound just like me right now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Dogs of War? Uh, I liked it a lot. I, it was a. I liked the interaction. Like the Euros, like definitely. You know, I, there's time and place for solitaire engine building. That's when I play games with my wife, so we're not at each other's throat. Um, but for that kind of game at higher player counts, interactive um, turns flow pretty fast. Like I thought it was, I, I enjoyed it a lot when I was playing it. Me too. Like it's, it was one of those games that I always hear from other content creators saying like, this is a really underrated game. The surprise this game did not get more traction. Like I thought it was all hype, especially considering like I'm not really a big Euro guy. 
we busted out the board and yes it's Simon, so there were some big colorful minis representing your workers but the board is just all beige like everything is beige i think i fell asleep like for the first 10 minutes when you were setting it's yeah it's just sounded so bad but man just something about that game was just so fun like i was invested in every player's turn like i don't know why it's like i want to know where people are going and i want to know what cards they're playing because i want to know which battles that i could contribute to and win and then kind of like the diverse scoring mechanism of con- like collecting all the little crests of the houses that you want to score points for kind of gave it that little bit of semi-co-op hidden objective kind of feel that we were talking about with Richard the Lionheart because at the end point of the game we all started accusing each other like oh don't help him he's heavy and red or don't help him you know he's got all purples and Chan's over here trying to like predict what everyone's numbers are and trying to like math out the score for people i'm like bro you're not even close but i'm just gonna let you keep thinking that i have all these colors <laughs> yeah like uh this is surprising for you too because like uh, you you hate set collection and i felt like that game boiled down to a set collection game like as far as like I, the game. I don't i don't consider this set collection because i'm what? not looking for... okay le- okay let me see you're trying to, like this this set gives you this amount of points the more you get if you push it no that's not that's not set collection what is it i'm collecting point tokens that's all i'm doing it's true though because like set collection is boring because i don't want to go around collecting three or four of a kinds to be able to score points like i'm just trying to get as many of the crests that i that are gonna score like the the thing that really stood out about this game for me is that at one point during the game, I was evaluating every player and seeing who was in the best position to win. And then I had to think back and gauge on where they were picking their battles to see what houses that they have a lot of support in. I decided to ally myself with that player. Big mistake, because that player was you. I went <laughs> all in on blue, despite having like six purples. And then when we pushed the glorious victory for blue that subsequently reduced the value of my purples down one point or two points. I don't even remember. And that cost me the game because I thought you were in the position to win. So when I think about this feeling, it's not like I'm going around collecting sets to score points. It's like I'm looking at where the best players have invested their time and their, uh, workers and their battles to see what crests that they have and i wanted to hop in with them before it was too late one thing that we pointed out during our game was there's a finite number of these crests that you can collect so once i made that realization i was like oh crap i need to get a hold of these asap and then i just started going all in on blue because i thought you were going to win and i wanted to make sure that we pushed the glorious victory for blue which we did ended up being a mistake part of the fun I know. It was just it was just really cool that it was such a simple rule set yet created so much interaction and the fact that the uh winner is ambiguous I love that. I love that there's not a clear winner. You can only anticipate who's going to win and then that forces you to play a certain way. Like if uh the cards came out differently in that last round and blue wasn't battling purple I for sure would have won because I was heavy in purple and blue, but it is what it is, but it makes the game really great. 
I think that's an underrated uh, Euro mechanic is where scoring information is hidden. Like I know Great Western Europe does it, um, and it's evident to Dogs of War. You get an idea of how someone, how well someone's doing, but you don't know the exact point total. So for me, it keeps me more engaged because when I'm playing a game and you know someone's blowing me out of the water, like I know I'm, I can still have fun, try to build my engine, and see what I can do, but it does take away from some of the fun. But when you're playing like that, like I, you know, I look like someone's. You're like, oh, he looks like he's not doing too great, but then you, oh, like at the end the review like wow he's like i beat him by one point or he beat me by like two or three points it was like way closer than i imagined like i like that when it comes to any game in general where the scoring is kind of vague and, and, and opaque versus completely yeah me too i really want to find more games that kind of do a similar style you know it doesn't necessarily have to be tug of war but a game where scoring is relative you know like each color or each family or crest that you're invested in is worth different amount of points based on who's invested in that i you know the craziest part is like in my mind i know that there's a game that i have played that is very similar to this but i just cannot think of it right now concordia oh it is concordia i hate concordia it's so boring it's okay it's an app now so i can get it played and once it's on board game arena i'll start trying to grind out some uh some uh what's it call it uh, some elo ranking points Dude, on it. by the way that was clutch like literally i was trying so hard to think about what game it was and you're just like concordia and i was like oh that's why i couldn't remember because i blocked that game out of my memory <laughs> yeah you got me this is why i'm on the podcast i'm the euro database <laughs> euro almanac i love it <laughs> but uh that's it man that's all the games we played together we played a couple more after you had left with uh your little tummy ache uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh, but so we're not going to talk about those. Those are just lighter games that we use to wind down the night, but they were surprisingly fun. Uh, maybe I'll talk about that with some other people some other time that were willing to tough out a little tummy ache to continue playing HomeCon 2022, but no big deal. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if you had given me uh water and food and the coffee that I was promised, I wouldn't have had stomach ache. Oh my God. You wanted a pumpkin spice latte like that was a lot of work for me when i was trying to like manage all these games i had a nice you know sweater vest on and everything i was ready for that pumpkin spice latte i never got it so i was like i'm out all right next time i promise you i'll make you a pumpkin spice latte okay hold you to it all right that's it for tonight y'all thank you so much for listening as always you can find us on instagram uh, our handle is one chip wonder all one word our email address is onechitwonder at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate y'all. See you next time. See you next time.